Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's I'm Amazing Radio. I said It's I'm Amazing. Wow. Welcome to It's I'm Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. Guys, I slept like three hours last night. Uh, with me, as always, DJ Mark. Oh, wait. Bueller? Bueller? No, DJ Mark. With me, almost always, Kid Presentable. All right. We're not going to go into why Mark's going to... Bobby, I'm confused by how I started so far. Well, you know, I was going to let you do it, buddy. Okay, well, I'm, yeah, I'm here. You know, I'm tired as well. Um, we just want to wish our boy Mark a wonderful honeymoon right now. Uh, he won't be with us this week because he's enjoying his life. Um, so cheers to our brother, Mark. Exactly. Congratulations to Marcus. And with me, Lavender Gooms. I am on a normal sleep schedule because I live on the other side of the country. Yes, the man who just woke up 15 minutes ago. We're all doing well here. Two of us about to pass out. One of us just waking up. Um, we're gonna Mondays, talk. Am I right? Mondays, guys. We're gonna talk to you guys about UFC two thirty six. I'm not so confident about the number. Um, the one that happened on Saturday, headlined by Max Holloway and Dustin Poirier fighting for not Max Holloway's hundred forty five pound hundred forty five pound title, but nobody's fake lightweight title. We're gonna talk about that. We're also going to talk to you about my guy. I'm saying my guy because I'm the only one who picked this motherfucker. Not that bold. He was the favorite. Israel Adesanya <laughs> uh, taking on Kelvin Gastelum in what is the best middleweight title fight we've seen since the last time Bobby Knuckles fought against Yoel Romero. Both of them good fights, though. Um, we're going to talk about Eric Anders bringing shame to Stefan as a Filipino. Um, but, uh, you know, and Stefan learned today about Nikita Krylov's Nikki Thrills nickname. So we'll talk about that a little bit, too. Also, TJ Dillashaw, EPO. Enjoy the podcast this week, folks. Um, first off, um, Stefan, Max Blessed Holloway went out there. Him and Dustin Poirier, they fought about six years ago with Dustin winning with a sweet um, triangle armbar from Mount. And you know what? The UFC said, let's do it again, brother. Ran this one back um, for an interim lightweight championship. You might be wondering, if you follow MMA, man, isn't Tony Ferguson the interim lightweight champion? Just don't ask questions like that. Stefan, um, a, just a goddamn violent fight would be a fair description, wouldn't you say? <laughs> I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, going into the main event, they had, you know, the co-main, which we'll talk about in a minute, really set a high bar for this fight to have to live up to. Like, you're like, ooh, you know, you're really confident in these guys knowing how Max and Dustin fight, but you're like, coming off of Adesanya and Kelvin, you're like, oh, that's, that that might have been it. Like, Dude, I was physically exhausted. I was physically um, exhausted from watching that last fight, basically. Yeah, <laughs> like, um, and now, I, I wouldn't say it topped it, but it, it very much held its own. Um, It was a spectacular fight. Uh, I think, you know, in this year where um, I went from first to worse, because um, I'm just having fun with it, I think I might have have stumbled on uh, the hyperbolic reverse jinx that the more I count out someone in a uh, you know a big high profile fight, 
the more it means, yeah, they're going to actually come and whoop that ass. Because uh, Dustin, boy, did he put it on Max. Um, he hit Max harder than anyone we've seen him. He busted up Max more than anyone we have ever seen him do. Um, and, you know, I've been a big fan of Dustin. You know, when I was, you know, speaking up for Max, it was more for my thoughts on him rather than anything against Dustin. Uh, we've liked him for a while. He seems like a really good dude. Um, I don't, what was the name, Bob, of that documentary he was featured in? Oh, yeah. Years ago when he was first coming up, he was part of Tim Crater's fight team when they were in in uh, Louisiana. It was called um, Fightville. Yeah. I mean, he just always came off this really cool dude who's just straight fighting for his family, you know, to give the best life to his daughter, Parker Noel, who he has his na uh, her name tattooed on his chest. You know, he he's loving to his like wife. Like he just seems like a good, hardworking dude. And, you know, Daniel Cormier always gives him props. Like, it doesn't matter that I'm the double champ. This is the king of Lafayette, you know, like, um, you know, so Cormier has always been graduated. The thing is, he's the type of guy that we uh, we see a lot of fighters like him, right? We like him. He's an action fighter. He's got this exciting style, but he seemingly has holes, right? He's not necessarily the greatest grappler. He's not necessarily any type of power wrestler. Yeah, he's got good stand-up, but usually there's guys who have better stand-up. You know, his cardio is not always the sharpest, but... In this fight, it it all came together for him. Um, he has tremendous hands. You know, we, we have been very highly, like, you know, uh, applaudatory of, like, Holloway's stand-up. I think I described it as next level, but Poirier's got some of the best boxing in, like, MMA. Yeah, um, Mike, um, both me and Stefan, I was watching it with Stefan, and I think it was, Max was getting pieced up for the first round and a half was going real bad. I think would be. But I think it was like halfway through the second round where I think I turned to Stefan. I'm like, I think Max is going to find a win way to win this shit. And he really did start to come on in the third and the fourth. But, you know, dust, he just, you know, the damage just seemed to catch up with him. What was your impression of, um, I guess, Max's ability to fight through perseverance and Dustin's overall performance? Yeah, I mean, you know, Max showed, I mean, not it's not like this is anything new for Max, but Max showed an ability to really fight through a lot of pain. And I think my takeaway from this fight is that maybe a round and a half in or, you know, starting in the, you know, third round or so, you know, Max started to get a lot of good shots in and really started to, you know, get his stand up going. But it always seemed that, you know, for every shot that Max got in or every combination, it really didn't phase Dustin at all. Whereas any, any, solid shot that Dustin got in it affected Max a lot more and you know I guess I found that hard to believe considering that Max you know is such a big you know featherweight and I didn't imagine that Dustin would carry that much more power than Max yeah I mean I don't know I don't think Max I mean I for me personally I thought that once D Dustin hurt hit hurt him so early that I was almost like, okay, like Max is just playing behind the eight ball this whole time. So I'm not sure if he had so much a bad performance or like a bad first round and it just like, he couldn't overcome that. Um, I was just immensely impressed with Dustin Poirier. Not that I think he's going to beat Khabib Nurmagomedov or even that the UFC will really give him that fight. But I just liked how classy Max also was in defeat where he said, none of this, none of this interim bullshit. He beat a champion tonight. So he's a champion, which was such a classy thing to say. I mean, Stefan, you and I were talking about it. Like, Dustin's getting interviewed about, like, auctioning off his fight gear 
for to build, build a playground. And in the background, Max is shaking hands with Dustin's wife and fa father and mother. And I'm like, this is like the most wholesome goddamn, you know, barn burner of a fight I think I've ever seen. It was just, I, was, I just like seeing it sometimes in this sport, just such class acts, you know, in a world where everybody's just so proud of talking shit. It was nice to see these two do their thing. I mean, it was classy. Yeah, like, you know, however we picked the fight, however we talked about it before, I mean, the only thing is, like, you like both of these guys. Like, it's just really amazing, you know? It's just shocking. Dustin has ascended to a level I didn't think he had capable, and that's really, really cool. But yeah, the guy who's so, would theoretically be next in line, he's he's a he's a goddamn killer. Um, so like, and he's a killer that might exploit something that's not the strength of Dustin. But man's got hands. But what can you say about Max? Is because for everything he took, you he, I don't think he was ever cleanly dropped with any of those. He got knocked back into the cage. But that dude eats shots well. Like he lost the fight but at the same time like again we'll, we'll talk about it too but the kind of crazy thing about both these fights is i don't think either of the losers were diminished like that's just how like really thrilling and compelling i found both fights i wasn't necessarily when dana said afterwards that like he wanted to see max go back to 145 and look from a point of view that he's the champion and he should defend his belt i agree but we all know he didn't mean that because they don't care about the fucking belts um i didn't think this was such a like I didn't look come out of this fight thinking Max shouldn't fight at 155 pounds, to be honest. He fought an elite fighter, got caught early. Many people would have just been done, quite frankly. Like, the fact that Max wasn't put out, Stefan, you're right, he didn't get diminished here. I kind of want to see what Max, I want to see more from Max at 155. At this point, I don't even give a fuck who the champion of anything is. Um, I mean, Mike, what did you think? Did you think, you know, let's send Max back to 45, or I don't know. I, I kind of want to see more <laughs> at 55. I want to see him back at 145 just because he's supposedly still the champion of that division. Um, Mike's a purist still. He believes in integrity. God bless you. I mean, the dude just lost, you know, the interim title fight at 155. Um, I would assume he wants pay-per-view points for his next fight. So probably for his own well financial well-being, he's going to want to kill himself to get down to 145. But it would be nice to see him at 155 again if if he can manage the weight cut between the two uh well enough yeah um maybe he could fight i mean i can't believe i'm gonna bring up this name again but maybe he could fight nate diaz 155 that would be a fight i'd like to see that would sound like a good time for everybody involved um it just i thought that fight was just a really good example of mma in general because the whole thing from like Start to finish, including the post-fight. Like, Dustin literally, when they shook hands and hugged, Dustin was apologizing for cursing at him earlier in the week. And Max was like, no, man, we went to war. I love you. I respect you. And I'm just like, man, this is like, you know, like, I mean, yeah. I mean, they literally got in a goddamn cage fight. Everybody's a gentleman afterwards. I loved it. Um, We'll see what happens. I think at 45, uh, Moicano's sitting out there, maybe. I think he lost, but... Frankie Edgar sitting out there. I don't know who else is at 45. Maybe, I mean, that's probably why Max came up. And God knows none of these fucking things make sense anymore. Does anybody know what's, who's even up there at 45 to fight him? No idea. I mean, yeah. Ortega. I think it's Frankie Edgar, honestly. That's the best choice. Um, Mike, the co-main event. Izzy, the last style bender, Adesanya. You literally picked against a man who took his nickname from Avatar, Okay. And uh, Izzy went out there, and him and Kelvin Gastelum had, honestly, the best middleweight title fight I've seen in quite some time. I know I compared it to Romero and um, Whitaker, 
from like a year or so ago. But you know what? That wasn't a title fight because fucking Romero can't make weight. Um, well, this was the best middleweight title fight I've seen in a. I can't even think one of a better one off the top of my head, probably. Well, fire, earth, air, and water. I don't remember style being one of the uh, the elements in uh, Avatar, but that's besides the point. Um, yeah, four months in, this by far was the best fight of the year. And I don't think as prisoner a moment to say that eight months left, it's it's going to be very hard. It's going to be very, very hard pressed um, for there to be a fight that was better than this one. Um this fight, this fight had a little of everything. You know, it had a lot of back and forth. You know, uh, the fight started, and we assumed that I think Gaslam's avenue to win would be that we would use his. He would use his superior wrestling to try to tackle that one area of Adesanya's game that we thought maybe he had a a weakness in, and he didn't do that to start. You know, for the first, I would say, two or three rounds, I don't even think he attempted a takedown. And he didn't look bad while he was in the pocket. Um, he, I think, was going a bit against convention considering just how much shorter he is than Adesanya and how much more reach Adesanya has. But Gaslam was doing a good job of, you know, jumping in and getting some pretty good, um, you know, looping lefts in. Um, his left was really touching Adesanya throughout the fight. But you know, on the other side, you know, Adesanya was doing a, a good job uh, a lot of the time of uh, staying on the outside and, you know, probing with a lot of different, you know, kicks and punches and and landed a lot of good counters on, on Adesanya. Uh, he was definitely the more accurate fighter. Um, you know, I think it was really scary for Adesanya in that fourth round when uh, when he got caught with that uh with that head kick. Oh yeah. And and for us, you know, for a second we thought, "Oh, so he ate that. He's good." But then you notice that he just kind of kept standing there. Mm. And, you know, I think it was a shame for for Gaslam because I think Gaslam was pretty tired at that point and Adesanya was pretty hurt and he wasn't really able to take advantage of it. I mean, I was screaming at my TV when, you know, he pushes him up against against the cage and instead of just trying to, you know, continue hitting him on the stand up, that's when one of the moments when he decided to try and and, and take him down. And Yeah, that was I mean, I don't yeah. think even that I'm not sure he even knew where he was. You know what I really like, Mike, for me? And we talk about it on the podcast a lot. I love it when a guy has to dig deep. Yeah. And we saw that and a lot of times it takes a long time to see that out of a guy. Like we saw it. it I don't know how many fights for us took for us to see Anderson Silva dig it a dig a triangle off his, you know, out of it, pull it out of his ass against yeah. Chael or John Jones when he was losing against Gustafson and pulling that spinning elbow out. Like the momentum was not on Israel's side, Steph, huh? No. Like, I mean, Steph, I mean, what, what we were watching, like Izzy in that fifth round, you saw him just push. And it was something we didn't, because there was so many questions about the guy going into it, Steph. And like we saw the man had. So much heart, quite frankly. And it made me think, like, I mean, he might still have these holes, but he doesn't lack heart, huh? I mean, what'd you think? Yeah, absolutely. Like, kind of when we were at the conclusion, right, we were like, okay, which one's better? Those were two both fucking, you know, barn burners, right? Which one was better? And what did I say the key difference was? For me was Dustin at the end of the fight in that fifth round, I kept saying, Bobby, I wish he pushed a little more. I wish Dustin really pushed a little more, like, 
he 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 did enough to win it, you know, but he didn't take any risk. He didn't really turn. He didn't really give it his last gasp, you know. But Israel sure as hell did, and that that's the difference between these two fights. Is that fifth round, Israel is he's going to end it. He he doesn't want a decision on his record. It's like he does not want that. He wants it, and he rained those elbows down. You know, he absolutely was going for it. So, like you said, yeah, that's that's the heart. That's the drive, right? That's the, it's the one thing in every sport that you can't coach. You can't coach heart. You can't coach work ethic. You know, that's what separates the good from the great and everything. So, yeah, Izzy, he definitely turned heads. Um, but like I said, I don't think either of these guys are diminished. And it's weird what I'm going to say next because I was thinking about it as, um, you know, listening to you guys talk. But it's simultaneously my biggest critique of Kelvin in this fight. But also, it's a big compliment. Um, Kelvin's really fucking small. Like... He's way too small. He needs to lose weight and go to welterweight. Um, why is Israel getting pieced up by a guy with this much of a reach disadvantage for how otherworldly his stand-up's supposed to be, you know? Um, but at the same time, Kelvin's really fucking small. Look how good he did. He's really small, and look how much he landed power shots on this guy with otherworldly striking. You can read it both ways, absolutely, I think. Um, and no. I think it's fair. Dude, I'm but so excited. Not, I'm so excited. For correctly. If you remember correctly, Seth, the reason why he's fighting at 185 is because he was so bad at cutting to 170. Yeah, I know. We, Bobby and I made it. He, Kelvin said he doesn't cut to 170 because he likes mom's cooking too much. And it wasn't a joke. It's just like he wants to have his diet. That's the thing. I get that he, he has struggles with it. But it, it's when you look at the physical like disparity in this fight, it's very easy to see why that's his ideal weight class and he can commit to it. Because that's part of why Israel, like Israel, when, when Kelvin took him down, his arms are so long he could easily instantly post he could instantly create space he didn't use like he didn't you know he didn't dig the underhook he didn't fight technique he did the push kick of kelvin off of him that happens in the video game you know you know what was impressive about israel man i mean if there's all these like new anderson silva comparisons which is really unfair quite frankly but like he immediately threw up that triangle and i was like oh my god <laughs> he is new anderson and yeah, that triangle was close that he had that in him right mm -hmm. we didn't yeah. know that that is credible submission he didn't seal it but Everything about what he did, you knew he knew the technique. I thought he, he had understood that. how to do he, it. He did it so automatically. It's like, whoa, this isn't. This is Kelvin's like a, a good grappler move. too, man. Kelvin's a good grappler. It's not just he's a good wrestler. Kevin Kelvin's a good goddamn grappler. And then he almost got caught with that guillotine too. The guillotine was the one where I'm like, oh, he's fucking got him. Like this is a wrap. But I mean, props to Kelvin for getting out. I I just walked out of this fight. I mean, walked away from this fight being so impressed with both of them. I mean, I know. I, I mean, when you got when I picked Israel. We were having fun eventually at a certain point where I was picking one thing. You guys were all picking the opposite. But when, like, you and Stefan, I remember, brought up, like, we don't know this. We don't know that. We don't know that. And I'm like, everything Stefan said was right. There were so many questions. We did not know what we were getting with Israel. Because I'm not sure anybody's ever had four fucking UFC fights and was already champion. I mean, maybe Connor. Anderson. I'm sorry? Anderson. Okay, Anderson did it in two. That's fair. Okay, okay, okay. You know what? I take it all back. These are you got some special circumstances here, man. Okay, but fine. But yeah, I mean, I just especially remember his fight with that um Vittori guy, Steph, where he got taken down. And he just wasn't getting up. He just yeah, wasn't getting up. <laughs> his ground game looked. It's not that we didn't know about it. Is that it looked suspect. It looked highly, highly suspect. Like it was worrisome. But yeah, like you said, he had a lot of questions. He answered damn near every one of them. Six uh, fights in the UFC. He said he's had six fights in the UFC in the last fourteen months. To uh, 
to me, the two most, well, two of the more, most impressive parts of, of the fight for Adesanya was the one time when Kevin almost got him pretty deep, but he was able to sprawl like a, like an expert, um, or as a, as Bobby once put it, you know, like he sprawled like uh like Joanna Champion was sprawling in the fight in the in the lead up before the fight with Cookie Monster. And uh the other time was when he got taken he got taken down and um he was able to get back up really quick. Those are the two moments, and I think both of those happened before the third round, right? By the third round, where I thought, oh, oh, okay, so Cal- Calvin's gonna lose. Yeah, dude, I thought, like, honestly, uh, there was also, Kelvin took a lot of damage. I think it was in the fifth round, Stefan, where you and me are just like, whenever the ref wants to stop this thing, man. Like, the last minute of the fight, I'm like, we're just, we're just hanging out here, and Kelvin's getting bombed on. Whoa, what are we doing? Like, I lo- I mean, was that, um, who was the referee in the main event? Was it Goddard? No, Goddard think- was the co-main. The main event, we didn't know the guy, remember? Oh, yeah, well, there you go. That explains it. I don't like this shit where they go to a new place and I got to see a bunch of people never heard of before as referees. I'll say this, though. He didn't make a mistake. You don't like that you didn't know him. He didn't fuck anything up, and that's exactly what a ref should do. Nothing. There was no noticeable offense in how he called the fight. So, you know what? I'll give him props. I don't know who he is, but I'm not going to say anything bad about it because he did his job. No fouls either. He was invisible. That's what a, a, a good ref feels invisible. Um... Which fight was it where the guy it was it was the the, the heavy set uh, black referee with the white hair who the cra- who the people on Twitter noticed that he was scratching his back like Baloo from Jungle Book on the cage? <laughs> that was yeah. The, the, well, that guy, just, yeah, that guy that guy was an instant fan fade. You know, yeah. he's like the guy with the, the braided you know Viking beard. Like uh, you know, some guys just got an image. You know, he's got a brand. This 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 referee will have to learn his name. He's he's got a brand. Um. Yeah, two excellent fights, man. For a fight that was for a card that was essentially a two fight card, they could not complain. They could not, you know, no one could complain about the quality of the top two fights. Um, honestly, Khalil Roundtree just looked great against Eric Anders. I mean, I don't know what else there is to say about it. Eric Anders' corner probably should have stopped it at the end of the second round. Like he wasn't, it wasn't going to get any better, right? I mean, I think that was what you and me were talking about, Steph. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, where are we going I, here? I was just saying, like, I think Drew was defending it. Like, well, I mean, and he was right. He is fighting back, but he's also just eating really giant clubbing blows. I, as I said to Drew, a responsible corner would have considered throwing in the towel at that point. Um, yeah, this is the kind of fight which is exactly the reason I picked a Khalil Roundtree. Um, the dude is crazy yoked, um, more yoked than ever because, like I said, he has no neck anymore. His his head is just on a pair of traps. Um but he swings really effing hard. And yeah, when he connects, he's got power. Um, but you also saw some of the, the flaws, right? Um, if that big power shot's not ending it, he doesn't really have anything else to do with it. Um, he never really switched to like a combinations. He's still kind of a headhunter. He swings hard, he, he swings hard, and that's just what he does. Um, he doesn't really have any grappling acumen. Um, and to be frank, this is the kind of guy that you can do that again. Cause what was Eric Anders? He's a former Alabama linebacker. He has no formal, like, you know, combat base to lean on. He's not a traditionally a grappler. He's not traditionally a wrestler. He's not traditionally a boxer. He's an athletic guy who can swing hard. Cause he's an athletic guy. And, uh, Khalil Roundtree is just at this time, you know, the, uh, what's the crisper version of it, I guess. Um, yeah, this is the type of performance you want to see. 
Uh, but we'll have to see with Khalil in terms of when he fights a more high-skill-capped opponent. Yeah, Mike, uh, good performance. A guy bouncing back from getting uh, Johnny Walkered. Um, nice for him to get back a little bit of momentum, you know, that he really, you know, he gained all that moment momentum smoking Gokensaki and uh, lost it fighting Walker. Nice to see him get back on the winning track. Yeah, for sure. Um, he displayed a fabulous new weapon in the form of his uh, Thai leg kicks. Um, a guy that big kicking that hard, Jesus, that is that is a scary proposition for mid-level guys he'll be fighting for like the next year. Um, also on this that card, like I was insulting him, but it wasn't. No, Dwight Grant and Alan Joban. Alan Joban was the angriest I've seen a person about losing a fight that was, from what I can tell on MMA decisions, pretty much oh, 50 it was 50 garbage. It was a garbage fight. But um, it was it was a fifty to win. Well, it was a fifty. I don't think it was, honestly. I can we talk about how bad the fucking crowd was? Like they were booing shit. None of these fights were bad. I'm gonna say it right now. Joban and Dwight wasn't amazing, but I was like, okay, everybody's working. Joban was getting hit in the face hard with every counter strike, but the crowd was literally booing on like the brief moments, like Khalil Roundtree stopped whooping Eric Anders' ass. Like Atlanta has a trash crowd. Just a yeah, trash that's crowd. You knew, that's kind of you knew when it was definitely a bad crowd is when they found a way to boo the Roundtree fight. Yeah. Like, it wasn't getting finished, but, like, okay, this dude is swinging his ass off at this guy. What more can he do? He is lighting up his leg. He's dropped him, like, three times. He's not getting the finish. I'm sorry. Like, and but so now you're booing? That's that's when you really knew, like, this crowd was irredeemable. I mean, like, Alan Joban, the whole fight I'm watching, I'm like, Alan Joban keeps walking forward throwing strikes, and this guy keeps throwing counter strikes, and this crowd's booing. And when it was over, I'm like, I think Dwight Grant won, but whatever. I also picked Dwight Grant, so I'm biased. I looked on MMA decisions. It was essentially a 50-50 split in the media over who they thought won. And Alan Joban was so angry. And I was, and I think uh, Cormier was like, how are you going to be this angry when you got hit in the face that many times? He got hit in the face 30 times, I think is what the number was. So Alan Joban is kind of who we know, who we thought he was. Does anything Dwight Grant do impress either one of you? No. Nothing. I mean, I don't. Know. I'm trying to see how old the kid is before I. I mean, uh, I want to. I don't. I don't I'll be remember that he had a kind of a very forgettable fight a bit against Joe Ban, but then I'll kind of, I but mean, I'll kind of forget him in the larger sense. So yeah, this 30, guy didn't leave him, Mark. Thirty-four years old. I was kind of hoping he was like twenty-four. Thirty-four years old. Okay, we kind of know what Dwight Grant is. Stephon, you got the most we got memorable fight. The most memorable part of this fight was just how indignant that Joe Ban was. Oh, he was so angry. Yeah, it was uh, shocking. That that really was the most memorable part, is how shocked he was for a relatively uneventful fight. When they were showing the pre-fight hype video and they showed how many times Alan Joban had knockouts, I'm like, I don't remember any of these. My impression of Alan Joban is he gets in goddamn wars. They're always entertaining. And then at the end, we decide who the winner is. Um, OSP and, Nikki Kry and Nikita Krylov, a.k.a. Stefan. Give him that new nickname that you learned about, at least. Nikki Thrills. Nikki Thrills. There's a very basic blue. There's such a basic blueprint to what a good nickname is, and that's it. That yeah. one hits it. Yeah. Nikita Krylov, OSP, a fight that had happened once before that I just assumed I had and lucked into the fact that it had before. Um, I came away thinking two things from this, uh, guys. I thought, um, one, uh, Nikita Krylov, I thought, for a fight he won in the second, middle of the second round, I kind of expected a little better performance from him. Because I thought OSP got him down way too easily. Um, the other one was that OSP was done fighting the last 30 seconds of this fight. 
Like, the choke was, like, he just was waiting, Steph, it looked like, for Krylov to get that choke in, right? We're just waiting, like, is it in yet? Is it in yet? Okay, now I can tap. I mean, it was on the chin for about 15 seconds, and at no point in that time did he even fight the hands. Yeah, his so, hand was just like, up ready to tap. He was he like, was ah! on the chin, and he wasn't fighting anything, so, like, I'm like, I, is he gonna, he doesn't, he's not tapping to, like, the, the jaw crusher, so, what, is he just waiting for it to go under his neck? And, yeah, 15 seconds later, it did, and he tapped, yeah. Um... This fight, I just as a quick note, like, you know, kind of end of it is like, it essentially is the reason you would have picked Krylov, right? Krylov was a young guy getting better. OSP was a guy who hit his ceiling. Um, and we were just basically seeing how slow or fast is the descent. But we definitely know we're on the descent. Um, what, he's 36 years old at this point? Uh, yeah, it, right. it, it was a very logical kind of conclusion of how, why OSP would lose. And it played out. Um, yeah, it's the opposite of Adesanya, right? There, the, the fight wasn't there. He once once he was down and in a choke, he was ready. He's like, okay, I lost. Yeah, I don't want to be too dismissive of the man, but I mean, I just I OSP, I think he just knows who he is now, Mike. I mean, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's pretty much it. Um, I thought it was a you know, I thought it was an entertaining fight. It wasn't it wasn't the worst fight in the world. Dude, I, I thought this whole out to say. The whole card, I was like, I mean, even not going into the two top two fights are amazing, but I'm like, man, this is a, I'm having a good time with this random ass fights. No complaints so far. Um, so yeah, UFC should not go back to Atlanta because fuck that crowd. They didn't deserve such good fights. But a uh, for a fight for a main card that had four decisions and one finish, I was thoroughly entertained. To be honest, um, I didn't even care that the main event started at like. 1240 yeah i noticed like because I, I was at stefan's house and i'm like when i left finally i'm like fuck me it's like 1045 here like what are we doing <laughs> um two title fights a good decision that's what will do you in man uh ufc's got a card next weekend in um i don't know what the fuck they are i'm assuming europe. somewhere in europe russia we're going to russia um we got alistair overeem versus alexi olenek um is Greg Hardy still on this? You said stuff. Are you sure? Oh no, I'm him. sorry. Greg Hardy is on the uh, Jacare Hermanson card now. We're not making picks for this one, but you know we can't skip Mark's favorite fighter, um, the Reem here. The Reem's trying to get a W over the uh, the master of uh, the what's this fucking choke that he does all the time? Olenek, help me out. Ezekiel, uh, the Ezekiel Ez- choke. Ezekiel choke master. Um. Man's had like 70 fights. Uh, they're doing this in Russia. We also got, um, I really like this fight, Antonia Shevchenko, Valentina's little sister, taking on Roxanne Modafferi. Straight up, none of us are watching this. Uh, it's not happening. Um, if, if Overeem knocks out or gets knocked out, I'll, I'll check the highlights out. Um, this is not, so, the UFC did not create this card expecting me to watch it, I'm assuming, because this is a fucking joke. I, I have to assume that the UFC knew Mark would be on a honeymoon and wants Overeem to win. So, yeah, I we'll mean, we got a. Uh, it, it starts. How is it starting at such a reasonable time? What the fuck's the time difference in Russia? Main card, 1 p.m. your time, Mike, Eastern time. So, um, unofficially, would you guys pick Reem on this one? I don't know what I can't tell you was last time who Overeem fight in his last fight, man. I don't know. Me neither, I but let's not worry about that. Um, would you? It's unofficial. Would you just off the top of your head? Would you have taken Reem? Yeah, sure. Yeah, probably. I would have taken Reem. 
Because I think I would have taken Reem and I would have felt dirty about it because if he loses, he kind of loses in ridiculous fashion. So yeah, like an Ezekiel choke, that would be something random and ridiculous that Reem just falls to for no reason. I'm just looking at his last fight against some guy named Sergei Pavlo Pavlovich, and I have no memory of this shit happening. So uh, at least he's coming off a win. Um, so yeah, the UFC's got a card next week. Uh, most people will be watching the NBA playoffs probably instead. Um... Before we, because you know what, we're not going to hang around here more than we need to, folks, with the MMA news. Um, I think we talked about it last week. I don't remember if it happened last week. Did we talk about TJ Dillashaw and EPO? No, we uh, we talked about it in our uh, group thread, but uh, we didn't talk about it on the show. Well, okay. TJ Dillashaw um, was using a substance where there is literally no way he could have said, I found this in something else. So, um at this point, I think I've described this before. My opinion of steroids and performance-enhancing drugs is it's just a rule that you have agreed to abide by, and then you fail to follow the rules, so that's it. And I'm not going to get on some sort of moral high horse about it, So, but um, if I am anybody who's fought TJ Dillashaw, since TJ Dillashaw turned into a goddamn glory kickboxing-level kickboxer, and his stamina became unlimited... I would have some issues with my losses, which is given the way, given what EPO does to you and just turns you into a goddamn stamina freak of nature. Um, Dana White's reaction to this, guys, um, it's very rare for me to agree with Dana at this point, but Dana's reaction was literally like, they asked him if he's surprised. He's like, yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised because of the sheer amount of money we're paying USADA, how it took them this long to catch him. So uh, Dana doesn't think this point. was the first time. I don't think anybody with a brain thinks this is the first time he did it. Um, he's got two years off. So he's got two years to get healthy. And um, he's not... I don't think he's any older than us, is he, guys? Ballpark, 33 years old, 32 years old, maybe? Yeah. If Dominic can come back five different times, TJ can come back. Wait, you, uh, say, you say get healthy like he destroyed his knee. No, I mean, all these guys are walking around with injuries, man. No one's healthy. I bet, I bet he's probably going to... I bet he'll just have, like... He had elbow surgery when he went. I saw his apology video. He just got like, you know, he got his elbow scoped. You know, he's not going to do anything for two years. I mean, you so, know, it was amazing because like for the amount of times I've heard of either the phrase uh, tainted supplement or dick pills in the last few years when it came to drug tests. Not only did I hear none of that. The first thing I heard was and then he voluntarily forfeited his belt. Like it's like, oh, OK, it's like that. Like, well, I mean, like literally, like he, gonna, we're not even gonna like pretend. We're not even gonna play like play dumb for a minute here. I mean, there, he had no way of doing it. There was literally no way for him to be like, I ate a like the Frank Mir. I ate some fucked up kangaroo meat thing. There's Bobby, no I gave you the out. I said, why are we so sure that a man who has a hyperbaric time chamber and like that he just you know he takes naps in that thing on the daily? How do we just not know he's just a really well oxygenated man? Well, that's what Luke Thomas was saying. He was saying, you don't have to use EPO to achieve benefits like this. You can use a hyperbaric chamber. I'm like, it wasn't enough for TJ. He needed even more. He's like, I need all the oxygen. Do you remember more the Incredible... What was it? Uh, the Incredible Hulk movie with um, Tim Roth, where he just needed more of the shit when he was turning into Abomination? He used some. And he's like, nah, man, I need more. And he just... He had to push it over the line. That oxygen that was, is addicting, man. Perhaps... Um, you can't have just one breath. Perhaps TJ is just very claustrophobic, and he couldn't do the hyperbaric chamber. He's like, just give me the needle. Come on. I mean, again, you're not going to... I mean, 
He broke a rule. He has to pay the consequences. But look, the man. This sport is literally one where you're getting dicked by the promoter sixteen different ways. You got no health insurance. Motherfuckers got a young child. I'm sure that's no fucking you know consolation to Cody Garbrandt or whoever the fuck he knocked out before Cody Garbrandt. <laughs> you know, but like I like you do what you got to do in this life and you try to make it through. But he got caught and he's gonna have to pay the consequences. Is that's uh, and that's what that's what Dominic Cruz said. Dominic Cruz is like I hold no judgment, but he got caught. He made this decision. He's gonna be out two years, and that's the I reaction gotta, I got. Um, as I mentioned to you guys uh, in the thread uh, earlier last week. This just adds to the legend of Henry Cejudo, because now the last two of the featherweight, no, freaking boat is that flyweight. The last two flyweight champs have beaten dudes that are ripe on EPO. I mean, well, I gotta share uh, this little anecdote. It's tangential to uh, TJ Dillashaw, but it was one of my favorite moments of this past weekend. Mike, you'll appreciate it because it involves our buddy Mark. Uh, Mark's not here, um, but you know, Mark. If you listen to our show, you know Mark is a giant fan of TJ because uh, he's got a familial connection. Um, I might be getting it wrong, but I believe his dad knows TJ's dad. There's some type of direct connection like that. I um, think his dad worked, did some jobs with TJ's dad and uncle is my understanding something or something. Like that. And so he's known about TJ for a long time on the come up. And by extension, Mark, uh, you know, was he was always looking out for this guy. And so we're at Mark's rehearsal dinner on Thursday. And across the table, uh, Mark's dad is talking to someone. And then I hear I, – I don't catch the whole conversation, but, like, yeah, you know, me and Mark, you know, everyone sees young. We used to watch the old UFCs together. You know, that TJ's a great kid. And then Mark looks over because he heard his dad say TJ, and mm-hmm. then Mark whispers in my ear, oh, no, Savon, I haven't broken the bad news to my dad. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, he doesn't know about the drug test? He's like, oh, oh no, I haven't told him yet. And he's, he's like, dad – Bad news about TJ. He's like, oh no, he got knocked out again. He's like, no, Dad, oh, no. it's far worse. <laughs> he's oh, he's a big old cheater. <laughs> I was like, oh no, Mark, you're about to break your dad's heart. <laughs> the last thing he said is, yeah, that TJ is a great kid. Like, yeah, I love oh, Mark. Man, the look on the look on Mark's dad's face wow, was just like really disappointment. Said, it was a dis- hey, it was disappointed dad, father. It was, uh, how do you feel oh, about Lance no. Armstrong? <laughs> it was yeah. Um, so yeah, we got no TJ for two years. I'm enjoying Henry Cejudo a little bit now because I I learned his new thing is his goal is to be as cringy as possible, he said, which he intentionally was bringing up. I'm an Olympic gold medalist over and over again at the press conference. He's like, we're in Atlanta. Remember you guys held an Olympics? Aren't you guys happy to have an Olympic gold medalist here? I'm like, I'm on board, Henry. Let's do this. And Marlon Marais is trying to memorize all the shit talk Ali Abdelaziz wrote on a paper for him. So I was really, you know, Bobby, In can general. you uh, start a Twitter petition for Henry Cejudo to walk out uh, the Olympic gold medalist entrance music of Kurt Angle? Oh, my God. The name of that song is just Metal, yeah. by the way. They're putting it out there. No, could, could, Reebok, could Reebok make Henry Cejudo a freaking sick for him to walk out? In? You broke up for a second there, Mike. What do you want him to come out to? I said, wouldn't it be awesome if Reebok could custom make him a wrestling singlet to come out to? Uh, that'd be nice, too. I, I'm on board with the Henry Cejudo thing, man. Henry Cejudo about to have two belts. Though Marlon Marais looks like a killer, so this is going to be a tough one. Um, Let's do uh, stuff we like. And um, I'm going to go first. I told you guys what I'm going to talk about. Um, well, In our group chat here, there's a new series on um, Viceland. 
called Dark Side of the Ring. And if you don't have Dark, you know, if you don't have Viceland, first of all, you can watch for two hours for free. I guess I don't know how that works. This forty-five minute episode, so real easy. You can watch the whole thing. Um, and also, the first episode is on YouTube. Um, so the premises of Dark Side of the Ring is they just have like mini documentaries about um, moments in pro wrestling that were less than ideal, I guess. Kind of the sadder parts. It's called the dark side of the ring, for lack of a better term. And the first episode I saw was the one they put on YouTube um, about the killing of uh, Bruiser Brody. And Bruiser Brody was a professional wrestler who was a massive deal in Japan. Um, A little bit in the U.S., but really in Japan is where he came on. Um, Real name Frank Goodish, six foot seven or eight like 300 pound man would come out to the ring, just swinging a chain over his head. Just some of the most violent shit you've ever seen in your life. Um, and Bruiser Brody was murdered in the locker room at an event, at a pro wrestling event in Puerto Rico in front of witnesses. And because Puerto Rico is apparently a fucked up place, um, which Mike is a Dominican. I feel is about to get his shots in on Puerto Rico any minute now. Um, but apparently like, you know, you know a promoter here. You know the promoters know a guy this or there. There's enough money behind you. You can kill an American, no problem. Um, and this is like a 40-minute documentary talking about it, and they talk about the talk to the relevant parties. I was thoroughly impressed. Um, there's another episode there, dude. I saw the other one I saw was about the Macho Man and uh, Miss Elizabeth, famous 80s wrestlers, uh, wrestler and um, manager, and you know how it's, it all ends sad. So like the story of how Miss Elizabeth ultimately passed away at such a young age, but. They're so well done, and they talk like in the Bruiser Brody one. They're talking to Bruiser Brody's wife. They're talking to Bruiser Brody's uh, son. They're talking to um, the three people who were the three people willing to talk about what they saw because they're Americans and were at the arena. Um, Dutch Mantella, Dutch Mantel, and um, uh, Tony Atlas and uh, Abdullah the Butcher. I don't think Abdullah's American, but anyway. But then in the um, Miss the Macho Man Miss Elizabeth one, they're talking to Macho Man's brother. Uh, Leaping Lanny Poffo, a.k.a. The Genius. They're talking to um, Hulk Hogan's wife, who was good friends with Miss Elizabeth. They're talking to Eric Bischoff. They're talking to Bruce Pritchard. They really went out there, and it wasn't some bullshit thing. They went and got the people relevant to the situations. And I am um, I just think it's so well done. I mean, I can watch a docu- documentary about something I'm not interested in if it's well done, and this is something I am interested in. So it's called... Um, Dark Side of the Ring, check out on YouTube. The first episode is free. It's about Bruiser Brody. If you just Google Bruiser Brody, it'll come up. The Killing of Bruiser Brody. Check it out. I was very, very impressed. I to- I've i been talking about it nonstop with the guys here. I think I put it in the group chat at least eight times. They're eventually going to get annoyed enough to watch it or tell me to fuck off, one or the other. So, yeah, check it out. Um, Stefan, what do you got? <laughs> Stefan? Oh, you put it to me? My bad. Yes. Um, yeah, kind of coming into this week, I feel like, you know, Mike, this probably is going to be your stuff too, so hop in here if you got anything to say. But um, April 14th, this has been circled for some time for a uh, good segment of us because it's the final season of Game of Thrones, baby. We only get six more of these motherfuckers, or five now because we five. just had that first. But um, yeah, man, uh, I'll say I thought it came back with a damn bang. I've had a lot of concerns with the series kind of getting to this point. Um, 
as a book fan, there's just certain things I've accepted as well. I'm not going to be like too like, oh, you know, they're ruining something. I'm accepting we're going down different roads here. Um, I just want it to make sense at the end of the day. I just want it to, you know, even if the ending is different, I just want it to be coherent. I want them to have set stories up appropriately. I want whatever payoff they go for to have felt earned, right? I don't want anything to be cheap. I don't want any deus ex machinas that don't make sense. Um, I just want the story to make sense. And this episode, it it kind of it was a throwback to me, in my opinion. They kind of they kind of refocused in a way on like a lot of the details that made the show really good. Um, the the end sequence, uh, I'm talking about it because let's be frank, this is the last show on Earth where you have to watch it at airtime. Um, the world does not wait for you. There is no spoiler alerts when it comes to this show. You either saw it when you're supposed to, or you didn't, and that's your fault. Um, but yeah, like the the end sequence at Last Hearth. They brought in some horror shit. Um, if you go back to that first episode of Game of Thrones, and when I didn't know what this was, I was like, "Oh, is this some type of like horror, like scary deep zombie shit? Like the swirling, like detached limbs in the spiral with a little stake to the wall child? That was some like crazy ass visuals." Um, we got to see all the relationships. We got the flying of the goddamn dragon. They really glossed over that moment for how pivotal that should be in the story. Um, they really made it seem super casual, like Danny just being like, "Why don't you give it a shot?" Like that's just something anyone can try to do, but um, which, which made no sense to me because I'm pretty sure Daddy's supposed to know. Like, yo, um, unless you family, um, these dragons are gonna eat you if you try to climb on them. And she was just feel just real like, yeah, John, you know, like, won't you get up on that dragon? See what happens. It's like the rules of the universe are like one: you kind of gotta be a Targaryen, and like that also dragon riders it's like dragons once they bond with a rider that's it they only have one rider they don't change riders dragon to dragon like until unless they die is kind of in the history of it so it's like yeah she really played that super casual and i was like it's kind of like when uh they had the casual reveal confirmation of rhaegar where it's just like gilly making an offhanded comment reading the scroll while uh sam is uh you know mansplaining her his frustrations with the world like they're really just like these casual reveals they do. I don't know if they're trying to be cheeky with it. I, I find that stuff a little dumb. I wish they would take those moments a little bit more seriously. But I mean, all in all, a really great, really strong episode. Um, you know, it's going to be a setting up the pieces kind of episode. Um, the fucking meme game for this show so after one episode was on fire today. Um, Black Twitter was on point last night. It was amazing. <laughs> Oh man, we saw some of those. So, dude, I mean, I, 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 Game of Thrones just is half of it is the memes for me, man. That's what I'm here for. I'm here for the goddamn Monday morning elephant memes. How about That's why I'm here? Bobby, How you about came this? at me. You came at me with the the colored people of Westeros meme, but you know my focus this morning, Mike. I was really heavy on that Cersei being disappointed by the elephants. <laughs> that shit was magic. <laughs> you know, uh, Bobby sent me the money one where it was that Drake meme. You know, with a yeah and the nod, oh, yeah. where it's like nod to the dragon, but then it's Dumbo flying in the air instead. He's like, yeah, that's uh, my jam. W- one of my favorite ones that I-, I don't think you guys would appreciate as much, um, but one of the ones is where they had a picture of Masande, and um, the the chick who sent the meme was like, like, ooh, girl, you going that far up north, and you got you're not you're not getting your hair in a twist. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I liked? I liked. Every white girl on earth put the phrase, you want a whore, buy one, you want a queen, earn her, in her Tinder bio this morning. 
The best part about that is then 45 seconds later, she still fucked him. That was ah, but, but, but Bob, she she had sex with him for strategic purposes because now does Jamie, he have elephants? No, does he have elephants? No, wait, hold on, hold on to you, Bobby. Let me mansplain it to you because Jamie is now a traitor and she got that little baby in her belly and she's like, Ooh, I need a an acceptable reason for me to have a baby. Hey, hey, Euron, who's also a brown-haired, brown-eyed dude like her previous husband. Why don't you get up in this? And now, oh, huh, somehow I have a baby already. Boom. That's why. Okay. I did like... I I'd also like the... Uh, I, I The dude just sitting in the courtyard the whole time staring at people. Uh, oh, that, brand, those are great memes. Those are about... Yeah. No, I just, you know... Brand the is the go the new, uh, he's the new comedic heart of this series. Did, they go the GoFundMe guys... to get him a ramp. Yes, <laughs> the GoFundMe. I said it, man. I told Stefan if the Night King just promised to make Winterfell ADA compliant, he could get Brand on his side that quickly. Okay. <laughs> I like the I like the one meme about Brand that it says when John and Daenerys get there, man, we don't got time for this. There's ice dragons all the, all the way. We don't we don't got time for any of this. But then it says, but for you, JB, I got all the time in the world. <laughs> I just, there was, I was really enjoying myself. And I did like, uh, when Sam's just like, poor Sam, by the way. You know, oh, at God, least my- that was the meme I kept seeing. Was it, was it Robin Hood men in tights or something that it was quoting or something? Like where it's like, and my cat, or like, or and like my 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 mouse eaten by the cat, and my cat choked <laughs> on the mouse. Like, or it's just like endless stream. It's like at least my brother will invite me back. Yeah, was it the one? It was the uh, when this like he says, oh, I can go back home. My brother's the Lord, and it's the picture of Thor doing the. Is he really? You know the face. I just <laughs> I felt because so, I love Sam. He's one of my favorite characters. But I'm like, oh god, this is crushing, so crushing. Um. And uh, I just um, – someone put a picture of all the times Jon Snow's just trying to, like, rub his head. He has, like, a hair a headache. And it's like when well, you're trying to save the world from undead zo- – from a, a – a, a, was it? An army of zombies and everybody's just arguing Hoover's going to sit on a fucking chair. Like, like I get was- it. Yeah. I mean, on, like, as, like, a real comment on that, like, I get it as a plot device. I, I fully understand why they're re- putting it as a writing element. Mm. But it's just, like – it's hard to not be frustrated as a viewer when you're still like arguing about titles, titles, titles. When this kid just like the wall has been breached, that thing that stood for thousands of years, it's been breached. Like, we got yeah, I mean, the, I, or is it like who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna feed the army? That conversation was infuriating for me, Stefan, because I'm like, she just said it's a fucking uh, goddamn undead dragon, and someone's like. Man, we don't have enough pork and beans to go around. Like, it's not gonna matter. The dragon's coming. <laughs> Let's, you know what? Kill the goddamn undead I, dragon. I, Eat him. <laughs> I almost, I almost feel that like since most of the people there in the north haven't actually seen the undead, it's like they are just don't like believe it's real. <laughs> they're like sure, king in the north. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's undead coming. All right, let's prepare. Yeah, sure. The wall just fell on its own. You damn Why'd you conspiracy give up crowd? theorists. Why'd you give up crowd? Oh yeah, that little girl's giving him shit. Like, whoa, we what? We made you king. I'm like, yeah. There wasn't an undead goddamn dragon then. <laughs> okay, circumstances oh, changed. <laughs> one meme, one tweet that was great 
was one person who was uh, praising little Liana Mormont that was like, man, Liana was five seconds away from staring hard at Daddy and John and just saying, and y'all fucking too, aren't you? I just... Uh, that was... Uh, I mean... <laughs> by the way, I just learned today that the internet calls Robert Baratheon Bobby B. And I'm just sitting here wishing my last name started with a B because I would have that shit printed on business cards. Okay? I would have Bobby B on all my business cards. Why are we taking shots at Robert Baratheon? He's been dead forever. It's like, he doesn't know his way around a woman's body. Hey, man, he's been dead like six seasons. Okay? Seven. He died. He died in the first season. Seven seasons, a motherfucker's been dead. Can he rest? And this meme wasn't, people weren't putting this one enough. I saw a couple memes. About how um was it Brom was banging the whores, you know, oh, yeah. banging, banging the prostitutes, and the guy comes in and says, "Poor girl, the pox will kill her within a year." And Brom had a look on his face like, "Oh, which one? Uh, which one?" <laughs> oh, speaking about the scene with Braun, um, did you guys catch the subtle Ed Sheeran reference in that uh in that scene? I did not. So, um, for those of you that. Don't remember Ed Sheeran uh, had a cameo in season seven, episode one. His character was aptly named Eddie, and remember he was one of a group of Lannister soldiers who was heading down to, if I'm right, King's Landing, if I remember. And if you guys also remember, a few episodes later, uh, Lannister host uh, uh, fought the Dothraki and Daenerys's uh, dragons, and in yesterday's episode when Braun was with the three prostitutes the prostitutes who i'm saying were doing a very good job of uh, you know entertaining Braun. they're just there talking about the dudes that have been injured one of them says oh do you know uh that customer eddie he got his face uh like uh, melted off he has no eyelids how does he <laughs> sleep with no eyelids <laughs> Um, did you guys catch the um, Always Sunny cameo? I don't watch the show, so I don't know who that is. Um, so um, Rob, um, I think his last name is McKelney. McKelney? I don't know. He plays Mac. One of the guys who got an arrow to the fucking head when Theon was saving his sister, that was him. Huh. He got one right through the fucking eye. Uh, Mac got one right in the eye. So uh, He fell backwards. It would it's, it was, it would have been hard to recognize him from that angle. No, no you got the... Um, well, the one of the ones you well, you saw the eye and the arrow through yeah, it. He, that was pierce. him. Okay, that was him. Yeah. Sure. Um, you guys have anything else, or we're gonna? Oh, I mean, I'll just say I, I like the end scene. Um, mate, Mike, did you see it coming? Just out of curiosity, Bran said he's waiting for an old friend. I did not think that meant Jamie. Mm. It's like I knew Jamie had to get there, but my head wasn't going to that thought. I, I actually I... wondered. I'm like, I don't know who he's who he means. I didn't think enough about that statement to uh, piece it together, but I have to assume if I was actually parsing every word like that, I probably would have assumed Jamie. Because I mean, who else is actually coming to Winterfell? I don't also, know. Also, it's gonna be a lot of BS if uh, they give. I mean, look, yeah, yeah, Jamie did throw a little boy out of a window because he was stopping his sister. But I mean, come on, look at all the other stuff he's done, right? Like, come on, we've been on this journey with him. Let's not kill Jane. I mean, okay, fair enough. Um, right, guys, we'll be back next week. Um, where we're gonna talk about something. Probably Those more eight? Game of Thrones. 
I'll be honest. There's gonna be a lot of Game of Thrones talk. This is gonna be this is half a wrestling Game of Thrones podcast at this point. It already was half a wrestling podcast. We're adding the Game of Thrones in there too. Um, I'm trying to see if there even is a UFC card. April 27th, Jacare versus Hermanson. There's no way that was what they started with. Who got hurt? There's no way Hermanson is what anybody had fucking penciled down for me. Yoel, event, right? Yoel? Yoel, Yoel got hurt. Considering Hermanson just fought a few weeks ago, um, probably okay. not. I thought this Yo, was the card is- this weekend. So this is the card that was set to be on ESPN when it was Romero. But when Romero withdrew and it became Hermanson, they're like, nah, you're going to ESPN Plus now. It's still Is ESPN Plus now this one? Yeah, it's good. That, okay. that was announced today. It's been demoted. It's a, it's a lot of fights on this card where I know one person. Like, And there's a fight where I know one person, and I wish I didn't know that one person. That's Greg oh, Hardy. Um, Co-main event slot, the- Greg Hardy. We've learned nothing. What city are they in? Florida? You know what? That seems like the group of people who may not boo Greg Hardy. I am slamming your entire state, Florida. You are not needed. Um, yeah, like, Carla's fighting Verna. I don't know. Some lady named Verna, who's 14 and 0. Um, John Lineker's fighting some guy I've never heard of. Uh, Mike Perry and Cowboy Oliveira might be fun. I feel it's happened. Or did Mike Perry just get beat up, beat up by only one cowboy? Andre Olovsky's on this card. Court McGee's on the card. That's what we're talking about. Our guy, Court McGee. That's what we'll be discussing next week. Um, all right, guys. Thank you all for listening. Um, back next week. Um, I'm going to go talk to Stefan more about the WWE ruining our favorite teams. Um, thank you all for listening. we we'll be back next week. Um, I was Dr. Law. Lavender Gooms was here. Kid Presentable was here. Shout out to our boy, DJ Mark. And see you all next week. Peace out. Cheers. Yeah.